listeners, and welcome to another episode number 297 of the Spoiler Alert Podcast, brought to you by MovieOutsiders.com. This is Mike, I'm here with Danny, and tonight we are reviewing the Netflix streaming Charlie Kaufman jam, I'm Thinking of Ending Things. Danny, how are you doing tonight? This is a real Kaufman joint. Yes. yes, Uh, This is... This is one of those. I'm doing fine, Mike. How are yourself? Doing doing great. Thank you. You know, I'm a little bummed. Uh, we got news this week, of course, that a lot of the movie calendar, again, has been shifted. So even though I think we're up to 60 or 70% of movie theaters in the country are open for business, wow. there is nothing for them to serve. <laughs> I mean, Tenet is still out, right? We just we saw that movie wasn't the week there, it came out. Wasn't there a David Copperfield movie showing for a minute? Uh, maybe. Yeah. I mean, there are. Some, I mean, there are films. There are, but they are small and they're independent, and they are some films that I don't know if these things ever get to see the light of day. Uh, I think the f- number fourth movie this last weekend was the Empire Strikes Back, <laughs> and it made like one million dollars. I think it was the fourth largest film. Wow, well, that's, in the country, that's something. And so you just George saw, Lucas just is saw, excited. Um, yeah, for it's, sure. He just got a couple hundred Disney, grand. Disney's happy right now. Yep. Yeah. But, well, they they just moved Black Widow into next year. Um, Steven Spielberg's uh, West Side Story got moved to next December. Like, oh. they just kicked it an entire year. Wonder Woman got moved. Um, I'm honestly not sure about the Bond movie. I'm not sure if uh, No Time to Die is still in November, but... Right now, that like Soul, the Pixar movie Soul, is still in November for now, but okay. that could get moved. But there's just could that be another things out? Could that be another Disney Plus thirty dollar uh, for sure price tag? Yeah, okay. yeah, that could be the the way they just take care of that one. And I know that the Academy had changed the calendar for eligibility rules for this year's Academy Awards. Like, yes, when what is the ceremony scheduled for at this point? Boy, I don't know if it's late February or early March. And if but the eligibility, the dates wouldn't have moved. I think it just would have been that streaming is okay. Oh, is that what it was? I thought they I even think, like I thought they had even pushed things into perhaps like early next year could still be eligible. Maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong about that. Either way, if they try to do an Oscar telecast that at all resembles what they attempted with the Emmys, God help us! Like that that was unwatchable. That that this was is awful. just not. It's gonna be a tough year, and I'm thinking. Uh, you know, birds of praise chances of best picture. It's just, just keep, keep going, going up. up. Yes, they just keep going. But I mean, I'm telling you, the Democratic and Republican national conventions both were better as a streaming event than the, the Emmys were. And that's a television show to celebrate television show. shows. Like, yeah. If they try yeah. to do this with the Oscars, don't even bother. Don't bother. It's going to be rough. It's going to be rough. But I mean, I feel so terrible for movie theater owners and employees. I mean, this is a an industry that, you know, by and large, was forced to completely shut down. Not even like, you know, a lot of restaurants around the country have been able to get by with 25% or 50% capacity or you see that side. There's just nothing. Like, we got one option. You pack everybody in in the dark together. And and now they're open and they're they're trying to open with these, you know, minimum restrictions and reduced capacities. And now they have no product. 
I mean, this would be like every restaurant saying, sorry, we're open, but we just don't have food. <laughs> Isn't it kind of like movies in the olden days when there was only ever like one or two movies out at a given time? Like, can't we just revert to that model? Well, I thought that's what we would do. I mean, candidly, I kind of thought that's what would happen with Tenet. I thought Tenet would be open. I thought it would play on like 10 screens and it would just play for the next for two next, months. Yeah, right. For months at a and time. And then yeah. another movie would take over. I mean, Back to the Future was in theaters for like over a year in the 80s. Right? I mean, when movies came out, there was like one screen or right. two screens in your town, and they played those same movies, and that was it. Um, and so I just don't understand. I mean, just clearly no one's going to the movies, and that's going to be dire for these theater owners, especially right. for the like smaller independent theaters I mean, and plus, all the jobs. Well, and It's really rough. And those buildings are huge, right? I mean, they're meant yeah. to accommodate hundreds and hundreds of people. I mean, their real estate cannot be cheap. It, it's always in the, the center of a pretty big shopping area. And yep. yeah, I mean, if you have no product to sell, that's, you know, like the comparison to restaurants, or can at least get by on takeout or, or potentially right. delivery. Well, we've talked about it here. You know, a lot of theater owners in the last decade have really, they've put millions of dollars into better sound, better seats, better picture, restaurants and bars, trying to make it more of like a whole night experience. And if you can't serve food, if you can't serve alcohol, if you can only fill your theater to a quarter capacity and you still have no movies. What are you doing? Who's going to the movies? Yeah. Yeah. Nobody likes popcorn that much. No, no. So anyway, I'm a little bummed because I don't know when we'll get back to it. I mean, you and I just went to the theaters, right? We were like, hey, they opened, Tenet launched, we went back, and now who and they, knows? And they contact traced my COVID positive test of that too. So, Is that what? Yeah. Let's not, let's not make light. All right. <laughs> let's not make light of positive COVID testing. And let's not spread some malicious rumor that it was the Marcus Cinema in Sun Prairie, <laughs> oh, yeah, Wisconsin. We, we did give that away. Yeah, like you I definitely, should, yeah. like, I feel like Greg Marcus is going to call you out on Twitter and say, stop trying to torpedo my business by implying it's a hotbed of COVID. We, we were struggling over here enough. Yeah, sorry yeah, about yeah, that, Yeah, yeah, they got enough problems without okay. you dumping all over them. All right, well, so tonight we're going to talk about I'm Thinking of Ending Things. It's written and directed by Charlie Kaufman. You can watch it from the safety of your own own home if, in fact, your home is COVID-free. <laughs> Otherwise, you should probably get the hell out of there. Well, then I guess he's saying if you're a Netflix subscriber, you can still watch it. You just wouldn't be safe. That's <laughs> right. Maybe, right. Maybe go outside and watch it on your phone while you wear a mask. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Here we go. So I'm... I'm weird. Watch you hit us with a plot recap if you can. <laughs> we're we're already off the rails. So I'm thinking of ending things starts with uh, a man named Jake and his relatively new girlfriend, whose name is a mystery, uh, going on a road trip in the midst of a snowstorm so that she can meet Jake's parents. The conversation in the car veers between pretentious and esoteric, but then things get really weird once they arrive at Jake's parents' farmhouse. Jake's parents disappear for long periods of time to argue. They drastically age and become senile as the night goes on. Then they de-age and generally creep the hell out of everybody at one moment and then sort of charm them the next. On Jake and his girlfriend's return to the city after their bizarre dinner, Jake and the girlfriend, uh, who has been thinking about ending things, by the way. She's kind of right, been contemplating the ending mm-hmm. the relationship. They stop in the middle of the blizzard at an off-the-beaten-trail ice cream shop, take a subsequent detour to Jake's former high school in a secluded rural area, 
before to throw the ice cream to throw away. the ice cream away. But before a final twenty minutes of the movie that would take the better part of an hour to describe and would make less sense than somebody trying to describe their fever dream. However, the final twenty minutes of the movie include a maggot-infested talking animated pig, a dance sequence reminiscent of the finale of An American in Paris, a naked janitor. And a flash forward to Jake receiving a Nobel Prize where his acceptance speech concludes with him singing a ballad from the musical Oklahoma. It's also the acceptance speech from A Beautiful Mind. From A Beautiful Mind, word for word. Yeah, word lifted for word. From, yep. from Nash's speech in A Beautiful Mind, correct. Yes. yes. And, and that's, I'm thinking of ending things, I guess. I mean, for a movie that goes a whole lot of nowhere, that was a lengthy plot recap. Danny, what did you think of this movie? Well, let me say up front, I was really excited to review this movie. This was uh, suggested by a listener, so thanks, listeners. And I'm a huge Charlie Kaufman fan. Yeah, I mean, yeah. uh, I've enjoyed so many of the things he's written from Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind and being John Malkovich and Adaptation. I mean, I feel like he has done just an amazing, um, amazing things with screenplays and, and four movies. But I f***ing hated this movie. <laughs> Like, I hated it. Like, I would put this next to Mother. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. This is... Mother was almost just like this, except angrier, and it got more, even more chaotic. Okay. But it was basically this confusing and... Oh, interesting. And inaccessible and pointless mm. and frustrating and boring and... Um, condescending and <laughs> and just awful <laughs> wow that's a whole logic a lot of adjectives yeah. you just threw in there what'd you what'd you think of it I, I didn't like it and i'm glad to hear you say that you didn't like it because you know i guess what i what i compared it to like maybe just tonally a little bit was Mulholland Drive uh, by David Lynch mm. a movie that i know you you definitely disliked when we reviewed a while back uh, now, I like Mulholland Drive. This, I just feel like, was totally like it. I, I sort of liked that ominous, unsettling feeling throughout it. But it's an awfully long sit to go not many places. I mean, there's right. there's not many characters. The dialogue is very... Preachy is not the right word, but, but just like condescending, talking down to you. In fact, I, I subsequently read an interview with Charlie Kaufman on the screenplay and him him kind of saying like well you either get it or you don't and sort of dismissed it at that and i just sort of feel like oh you're kind of a prick like because i don't i don't really get who could possibly get this so i love that he said that because as i mentioned he did just completely co-opt uh the dialogue from a beautiful mind right there's also a sequence in the car where the two characters talk about a movie review and it's first of all I love that it's a super pretentious discussion about a movie review to the point where I'm like I just wanted to shut them both up and I do a movie review podcast and it's like nobody talks about movies that way but someone did because that entire sequence that entire review is also lifted from like a 1976 film review like word for word so there are big sequences in this movie that he didn't even write he just stole from other writers interesting and then for him to say like well you either get it or you don't it's like really well, like 
you can just string together stuff other people wrote and do and then like wrap it in a fever dream and be like see Did you get i'm it? a great writer you and you, <laughs> you're either with it? me or like you're a moron when right. i throw fast and furious 15 up there for you meatball like didn't darren aronofsky almost like do or say exactly the same thing after mother like this this movie isn't for anybody it's just for intelligent people or something he, along he those definitely lines. tried he definitely tried to like not save the film but kind of like he knew there'd be terrible reviews but he got an f i mean that movie was like a straight up <laughs> f but this movie's got pretty good reviews, so I don't understand the difference because I would put – now you probably should go see Mother just so you can say just like, so I well, see how it, like, would you – Where does it rank it on the spectrum of Mulholland Drive to Mother? Right, and, right. I mean I guess I guess to your point, a, a point that you made when we were reviewing Mulholland Drive is that like had anybody else, had any unknown director made Mulholland Drive, people would have shat all over it. And yes. and I feel like Charlie Coffin gets a pass too, right? Like he gets a weirdness pass and I think that – and, and I think, like Darren Aronofsky, kind of jumping the shark with Mother, my opinion is Charlie Kaufman sort of did here. The last the last Kaufman I saw was Anomalisa. I don't know if that was the last one he did or not, but I loved that movie. And and while it was weird and kind of pretentious, there was no question as to what, what the message was in a film like that. Right. And this one... I, I just kept wondering, is there a message? Like, what what am I supposed to be taking away from this? And I feel like, like, yeah. Mo, like your comparison to Mulholland Drive, I feel like this is sort of like a really snooty art art film school student yeah. trying to be cutesy. Yeah, and I don't want to. St- so we got a submitted question uh, from a listener that I, I I think is on this topic. So I don't want to steal their thunder, but I I guess I'll just lay the groundwork and say. You know, writer directors like, in this case, Charlie Kaufman, you know, they've got like a singular vision. It's clear something he sat down, pen to paper, had this in his mind. I would love to ask him of, is this what you wanted? Like, were you able to actually produce and create and finish and package exactly what you had hoped to and what you set out to? Because film is such a collaborative art form, right? Like, you can't force Jesse Plemons to look exactly the way you want somebody to look or Jesse sound. Jesse Clemens does say, not look the way anybody wants somebody to look. <laughs> you got, you know, David Thewlis and I mean, like you've got a, a talented cast here, but like, did they interpret his words in ways that surprised him? Or was it like, no, 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 this is what I want you to do. Because I, I don't know who owns responsibility for this. Is yeah. it all just Kaufman or is it like the whole the whole gang, the whole troop, pulling together to come up with something this freaking stupid. I mean, I'd also be interested to know, like, because Brie Larson was originally cast in the role of the girlfriend. Like, yeah. like, did she ultimately Dodge part ways because she wasn't wasn't panning out, wasn't realizing Charlie Kaufman's vision, or did did she just dodge a bullet? Like something else came along. Yeah, I mean, I, I get the sense that she just thought, you know what. I'd love to work with Charlie Kaufman, but he's done some things that are, I don't know how much of his stuff actually is ever really that commercially successful. Eternal Sunshine probably is his biggest box office. Probably. Film, I would think. Yeah. Um, but he's won an Academy Award. He's been nominated multiple times. And as I said in the opening, like he's done some really bold, interesting, creative things and helped other artists really get to like weird, cool places. So like I get, like I would want to work with him. But I feel like once you pick this script up and you look at it, you just have to say, 
really? Like nothing happens. Yeah. And what does happen is like overtly confusing or it contradicts what just happened and it's all pointless. So it made me want to read the book off of which it was adapted uh, just strictly to see does that clarify anything here? Apparently in the book, um, I guess that uh, Jake and the girlfriend character are one in the same. They're the same person, perhaps. Maybe, maybe I misinterpreted that, but I think it was a possibility. So either way, just something that I thought might might clear things up just a little bit. Um, so so speaking of of Jesse Plemons and and the acting and whether or not they were able to real, realize Kaufman's vision. What did you think of him? Because I think you're a, actually a Jesse Plemons fan. What did you think of him in this movie and the acting overall? Oh, he's terrible. I mean, because we've got some big names in here. We've got David Thewlis. We've got Tony Collette. Yep. Um, we've got Oliver Platt as a voice. As the voice of the disemboweled maggot infested yeah. pig <laughs> yeah right. uh yeah i thought jesse Plemons was not good you know although i did write my notes i just said is this a role that philip seymour hoffman was supposed ah, to play interesting. like is he trying to channel kind of frumpy dumpy philip seymour hoffman because he's really unlikable in this yeah, movie yeah. jesse Plemons, right. and he seems really cold really like an odd duck his acting gets like really over the top. Like I kept waiting for some like revelation, you know, like there's a point where he's like slamming the steering wheel while they're talking. Like they're just having a conversation and he just like really overreacts it up. Yeah. 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 For like zero reason. And I also couldn't figure out, was he reading her mind? Like, is he getting more agitated because he can, he can read her mind and understands that she's trying to end things. Is he the, janitor in the future and this is taking place in the past and he's like living in both times this is another time travel like well, is this tenant like an interesting there's a lot of clues that week? sort of lead you to believe that like there's the janitor shirts and his parents washing machine that right? seem to indicate that uh you know he looks appearance wise like he might have been i mean there's all these clues it's just like it's an it's it's a riddle you almost can't solve and and, and I know that I, I, I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth because while I sort of like that about the movie Mulholland Drive, something about this one just had me not digging it quite to yeah. that extent. I liked the vibe. Yeah. I liked the sort of ominous, unsettling feeling throughout. But it, at an hour and 35 minutes, it's a long time to be feeling that way. There's there's not really comedic relief in this one. It just keeps getting no. weirder and, and odder. No, and it, it feels like... To me, it felt like they were really trying to set up something, and then they just didn't. Like, there, there is no big there is reveal. no mystery. There is yeah. no reveal. There is no. This isn't time travel. This isn't madness. This isn't uh, a dream. This isn't. Yeah, right, yeah, this yeah. is just bad writing. <laughs> and I feel like bad writing and bad directing forcing bad acting. I mean, I just I really hated this movie. Speaking, I'm really sad to say it. I speaking of bad it. directing, there 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 is only one moment in the entire film that like had me have a, a an actual laugh is a scene where the janitor is watching just a horrible movie on TV at the high school, <laughs> yes. and the closing credits reveal that it was directed by Robert Zemeckis, yes. which I just thought was was such a 
a kick in the crotch asshole yes. thing to do. Such a slam to Bob Zemeckis, but no appar- doubt. But apparently Zemeckis like agreed to letting them do that, and he's thanked in the credits, which I just thought was hilarious because it's. I mean, there's no question. Like, we're just gonna show a movie and then pick a funny director that would have directed this, and and Bob Zemeckis probably is the one that would have directed that movie well yeah i mean i think there's a, a couple others you could put in there but clearly that but you're right that's probably the one funny part in the whole movie that's the one thing that you kind of genuinely could get some sort of enjoyment out of because nothing else in here gave me any sort of enjoyment all right, all right. everything else either and there was dread and there was some of that ominous vibe but just to have it for no it just was pointless yeah i, I yeah. agree I mean, you can say what's up with about just about any two-minute movie. Is movie is what's up I, with. I got to start right at the beginning and say, what's up with that? What's up with that? What's up with him taking her to meet the parents after like six weeks of them dating? Like that's that's pretty quick. Like I mean, how how many times could you have even hung out in six weeks? Like right. I, I don't know that I yeah, want you to meet you know re- really anybody at that point. What's up with him taking her to meet her parents when he clearly doesn't enjoy his parents? Yeah, like, they're, they're he not hates pleasant them. People. They don't seem to be like. There's a point where it doesn't seem like they knew who they were coming. <laughs> and yet, and yet, there's a full spread. So, what's up with the dinner scene? No one ate anything. Right. It's a dinner scene, and they just they they load their plates, and then there's Talk. a scene, and then they empty their plates, and they're like, and all like the serving dishes, they all still have food in them. Yeah. It was like, I couldn't tell if it was just like the worst continuity errors of all time. Or if it was intentional, don't eat anything. Don't even pretend to eat anything. Yeah. Don't clear your plates. Just nobody ate anything. Ha right. ha, that's the joke. Which, Charlie which would explain why on the way home they want to stop for ice cream. But what's up with how big those ice cream cups are? Like they're getting a malt or a shake or whatever it is in like, you know, the 64 ounce like quick trip size soda yeah. cups. Like it, no... One of those would would have been enough ice cream for like a football team after a game. That was ridiculous. Well, he takes one bite and he's like, "Oh, I forgot how sweet this is," and then he won't eat it. And then because he's not eating, it, she won't eat it, and then it's just melting. They have to stop it, and, and then he's, he thinks it's a great idea to stop at his old high school because he knows a place they can throw it out. Like, I, I'm sorry at that point if it's bothering you that much that they're melting, you just toss it out the window. I can't condone littering, but like but we then, don't need to drive to the high school. What's up with her seeing the dumpster and it's full of ice cream cups? Yeah. Like they've done this a hundred times. Like, is this another Palm Springs time loop right. movie? Is that right. where we're supposed to infer here that this is? This trip to meet the parents has happened 10,000 times and maybe he's aware of it. Yeah. And she and her his parents aren't and they are confused and we we saw different versions each time or maybe. something. Yeah, right. I don't right. know. I hated this movie. What's up with the school theater? There's like a high school theater and between the stage and the first row of seats, there's a good 40 feet of open space. <laughs> like, like you're like, in the front row, you are 40 feet from the front of the stage, no no stage has ever been designed this poorly. No. <laughs> plus, plus, no high school has such an abundance of space that you wouldn't have had. Like, you would have filled every square inch with a seat, right? Like, right. 
What's up with the, when they're at the high school, Jake getting so upset that he thinks the janitor is watching him and his girlfriend in the car? Number one, there's nothing going on in the car that you should be concerned that the janitor was watching. Number two, you're in the middle of a snowstorm and it's like midnight. Shouldn't the janitor be like peeking out the window concerned as to who's here and why? Not like that janitor did. What's up with the way that Charlie Kaufman intercut that one second of janitor looking out a window? I mean, it looks like he's about to like hump five desks and he's like grunting and there's like a gross guttural noise. And he's like, I felt like I could hear and smell the stink of the janitor's breath and his sweat. And like, and it's like a one second, like a, I mean, that's all you get. And I was revolted. And that's what gets Jesse Plemons' character so upset, and he leaves. But, but he like, couldn't have heard or seen that. Seen it. Did, no. you, did you say hump five desks? <laughs> so terrible. So terrible. Everything in here, I did write, like, I, fe- I said, I feel like this is a bet between Charlie Kaufman and David Lynch that he can make a more David Lynch film than David Lynch, and it would get better reviews because he's Charlie freaking Kaufman. <laughs> That's what I wrote. That's amazing. All right. Well done. Well done. Yeah. Yeah. I also wrote pretentious, dislike, <laughs> would not recommend, hate, annoyed. Like, <laughs> I give up. I mean, these are just not good. <laughs> All, right. All right. All right. Mike, are you ready for five questions? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Well, we got some listener submitted questions. This is a, a listener submitted episode. So thanks so much. Uh, Charlie Kaufman, our listener, for submitting this. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, okay. First question is just about writers, screenwriters who become directors. Uh. This person uh, name checks Charlie Kaufman, yeah. uh, David Kep, okay. Noah Hawley, and Aaron Sorkin. Yeah. What do you think makes the difference between sort of a successful screenwriter to director journey and one that doesn't because we've got a couple examples of both here yeah that's a great question i i mean i feel like i feel like you often hear i think i think david kep's been a success story and i feel like you often hear about the role a screenwriter plays when they're on set and you know being able to advise on you know nuance that they'd expected in certain areas i feel like you should be able to streamline a lot of that when you are directing yourself i mean wouldn't uh uh, Cameron Crowe be another example of like probably a success story in that regard. Um, it, but I guess I can't tell you what the magic formula is that 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 does one or the other. I would say David Kep, yes. Cameron Crowe, yes. Um, Charlie Kaufman, I, okay. In Anomalisa, I really liked that movie a lot, um, but not not so great here. Uh, yeah. Who who knows? I mean, I'm sure acting plays a significant role in the success of that too. Sure. Sure. All right, question number two. Just how old is David Thewlis? It seems like he has been the same age forever. Yeah, he's he's really dead. And they age him in this one. He still looks fairly decent, even as an old man. Uh, no idea his age. Let's go with 58. Okay, because there's no way to check. So We, we can't, can't check that. No. So this is a question I mentioned earlier. Um, this says, how do you value non-commercial films? All the resources and effort taken to put this together, how do you kind of compare that next to a painting or poetry or a novel or something that is one person's singular vision distilled down just the way they want it? 
and it sort of doesn't suck up a ton of other resources. Right. Unlike a movie where you're asking an army of people to contribute to your one weird freaking thing. Yeah. So, so ask the so question like, again. It says, how do you value non-commercial films, right? This, this is not a movie that was ever going to make money. It went to Netflix, so it won't make money in the traditional sense. Right, it won't be right. released on DVD. It won't make any. So like, what's the point of this? What's the value of this in the universe to anybody? Yeah, I get It's a great question. I don't know that it does exist except for the people who valued it. And this did get a lot of good reviews. So there is an audience out there for it. I think that you even almost said something sort of similar when we reviewed Mulholland Drive, just like from the opposite perspective of like, you wish David Lynch would have just gone out and made his own like little little indie film art, you know, film school art student kind of deal for himself, stuck it in a vault and been done with it. Like the fact that you you push something out there almost sort of makes it obnoxious. You know, you, you feel like you needed to thrust this upon the world. Well, that I, one had no Naomi Watts in it. I mean, right, it like right. a good cast. <clears throat> Bill Pullman's in it, I think, right? That's been that's, so long it's, since it's, I sat through that been one. A while. I mean, that was Lost Highway. It was Lost Highway. It was whomever was Ugh. was married to Jennifer Aniston. What was his name? Uh, cre- creepy guy always plays a bad guy. The director in the movie. Anyway, that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Um, anyway. uh, yeah. So I, I don't know. How, how do you value that? I, I okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Question number four. This person wrote, what the F is up with Jesse Plemons? I mean, in general. I feel like I've never liked Jesse Plemons. I was shocked to hear that. He, I mean, what was the He's mo- great in Breaking Bad. It, I mean, Breaking was, Bad is the show he broke out on. And correct. It awesome. Correct. Was it, what was the movie that we were reviewing where, where you revealed to me that you are in fact a fan? Was it Patriot's Day? Was he in that with, with Mark Wahlberg or am I thinking, I was know. it, was it the, was it the gangster movie with Johnny Depp where he was a, a mafia guy? I don't, I honestly don't remember, but uh, either way, either. I, what is up with Jesse Plemons? Great question. He's he's an odd duck to me. This was not his best work. No, no. Uh, or it was Charlie Kaufman exactly tapping into everything you don't like about Jesse Plemons. There you go. Question number five, last question. In which case, what great is, directing, by the way. Great Fantastic. job. Yeah. What's up with the, this new trend of not naming your characters? So our last episode, we reviewed Tenet, and the, the, protagonist the protagonist of that film yeah. is called The Protagonist. And now in this film, the main character is either named Lucy or Lucia or Louisa or maybe none of those. I think there was even and a we fourth never find name that, that doesn't start with L at some point that was yeah. confusing. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, same same thing with Mother, right? Like, wasn't every character yeah, in there just right. like the man, right. the she, the... the man, the, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever the hell that was. So pretentious. Pretentious, yeah. Really Why obnoxious. do that? What is up with that? Okay, I feel like you need to go see Mother now. I feel like that's like your penance. <laughs> Three years later, I'm going to finally, You're gonna finally have to pop see it. that one in. Yeah, yeah. You're going to have to do a, uh, I'm thinking of anything's in Mother double feature. I think that'll be the, a great one. I, I don't know that I could sit through both in, in one, one sit. Well, if you do, it might be a good precursor for our next episode, which is 1975's Best Picture winner, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. So you can sort of prep yourself for a night in the asylum by watching those two back-to-back. Thanks for listening to the Spoiler Alert Podcast. Please visit us online at movieoutsiders.com, 
where you can see what films we'll be discussing next, comment on our recent episodes, suggest movies to review or topics to discuss, or submit questions for the five questions segment of the podcast. Stop by and visit our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash movieoutsiders, and be sure to follow us on Twitter at movieoutsiders. If you're a fan of the show, we'd really appreciate you leaving a review on iTunes, Overcast, Stitcher, or whatever podcast subscription service you use. We'll be back again next week with another episode, but until then, enjoy the movies.